Hello and welcome to the Filmmaking Stuff Podcast, where you'll get insider tactics on how to make, market, and sell your movie without the middleman. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, LA-based motion picture executive, Jason Brubaker. Hey filmmakers, Jason Brubaker talking to you from sunny Southern California. Uh, Today joining us is Michael Tapia. He's an experienced content development producer with over a decade of experience in the entertainment industry. Uh, He's created and sold content to various outlets across multi-platforms and most recently to Facebook Watch. He's also, and he currently serves, as the head of television for Glasshouse Distribution. Uh, Michael, we're so happy to have you. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jason. It's uh, nice to meet you and uh, thanks for having me. I, I love to talk to people about, you know, this business and, you know, television specifically. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to be here. Well, that's why I thought it was so interesting to have you on the show because gosh, you know, in, in my world, there's people that reach out to me and they say, Hey, I'm developing a television series. How do I get in front of people to pitch it? And then there's other people that say, Hey, I got a web series, but how do I convert that into an independently produced and distributed television series? So I guess television's changing so rapidly, or rather our definition of television, you know, and, and then, you know, in the, in the world of feature films, if somebody's making a film, they call themselves a filmmaker. I, I guess I should ask, what is television and what's the equivalent of a filmmaker in television? Yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I, like, like you said, it is an ever evolving world of, you know, television. What is television, right? And you know, I think for me, television is really changing. Um, it's not stuff that's broadcast all the time, linearly speaking, over, you know, the airwaves, you know, as it once was in the 50s and 60s, um, you know, and, and cable. Um, I, think it's, I think it's kind of changing to this world that's anything that's episodic, anything that's, um, you know, anything that's a series, uh, whether it's a web show that you put on YouTube or it's, a, you know, something that ends up on NBC. I think it's constantly changing and I don't, I don't even think it's fair to call it television anymore. I think you can call it, you know, streaming episodic content. Um, and, you know, I think it's, I think people oftentimes, I don't want to say get confused, but maybe conflate the idea of themselves being a filmmaker with them being a television producer or a producer of some sort. Um, and I don't, you know, it's one of those things where, I think you have to know, be versed in the world. And, and I joined the Glasshouse team with Tom Malloy um, a couple of years ago. And I think that was kind of one of the things that, you know, I, I was happy to learn a little bit more about the indie filmmaking world. And, and hopefully that the filmmakers I was working with were happy to learn about the television world or the episodic content world, I should say. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned content because in your bio, you know, when I was introducing you, I just thought it was interesting I know a bit about your background, but but instead of saying television development, you called yourself content development, and I and I think you just pretty much explained why. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's interesting because there, you know, there are other you know outlets other than just the networks and you know YouTube. Like there's branded content that you can easily tell stories, you know, using you know pet food or Coca Cola or or whatever. So you know, I think the idea is that you're as a as a content producer in this fashion you know i think what you're trying to do is find a narrative that you can tell episodically speaking um and not just you know one 90 minute you know feature film 
Um, and, and like I said, that comes in many forms now, you know, the phone is always in our hands and we're always looking at content, whether it be, you know, your buddy's social media page or, you know, your, uh, on ESPN.com, there's always content. We're always consuming. There's such a demand for content, whether it's like I said, 30 seconds or, you know, 90 minutes. Well, I guess that raises a question of like where you want to focus. Cause um, you know, again, going back to, to how you describe yourself, content development producer. Um, so in this context, what do you mean by development? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, development is like any, you know, developing any product you know, finding out if there's an audience for your product, you know, how you're going to, you know, in this case, you know, it's episodic, it's narrative or, um, you know, find out what the story is and, and what the compelling parts of the story are um, and how it relates to your audience. I think that's the big thing too, especially moving forward in this world of, you know, social media. Uh, a lot of the audiences are now very niche, right? So you can create a you know a web series and you can have all these amazing actors and actresses in it and a great team and a, you know a fantastic writing team but you may want to pick a specific niche um to really you know grab attention of an audience um you know just off the top of my head i'm thinking you know you can make a show about dentists you know how many dentists there are in the world and how they only have deep pockets that could fund your project um, you know, to make a web series about dentists and then appeal to that particular crowd before you kind of, you know, switch lanes and move to, a, you know, a more a robust audience and a, a, a multi-niche audience, if you will. Um, I, you know, I think that's a good way to do that. Well, I think, I think you're speaking a little bit of the language over here at Filmmaking Stuff, you know, as we've, uh, as we've worked to educate folks on you know, the importance of, of trying to find your target audience, most of that content, to use that word, has related to the feature world. So it's interesting to hear you echo uh, some of the similar strategies uh, for television, because again, I, I think a lot of people, when they're listening to this, they think that television is still just the network. So I, I guess the question then is, how do you decide if you want to do something independently, you know, as you say, like funded by dentists, which... Right. It seems like such a cliche, you know, go, go ask your dentist for money. That's, yeah. we, we think about that in the feature world. Um, but, but it's interesting that you were like, no, you actually uh, make content specific to dentists and, and work, right. you know, find money <laughs> to get them to fund it. But what about the networks? Like, how do we play a bigger game? Well, so I think that, you know, that that's, you know, sort of the, the, you know, I, so first of all, I'll say this, you know, I think the thing, you know, the most important thing with producing anything, especially on a, you know, repetitive basis is that you love what you do. Otherwise you're not going to, you know, move forward because it is hard to, um, you know, get the right amount of affirmations. Right. And so I think that's why social media is a really strong proving ground for concepts, right. Trying to build an audience. Um, but I think it's one of those things, like once you kind of get into this, you know, repetition of, you know, you're doing, you know, whatever projects uh, and you're putting it out and you're, you're getting some good feedback at that point, you know, it might be behoove, you know, the producers to take their project to the next level. Um, and I think that you can do that by, you know, reaching out to, you know, someone like me who is a development, you know, producer and has, uh, you know, a lot of contacts and ties to different, 
um, agencies and production companies and networks. And, you know, there's a whole strategy to kind of, you know, get your stuff to the next level. And it really just depends project to project. Um, it's hard to say if, you know, there's one thing that one sure thing that'll kind of, uh, get you there, but there are certain kind of areas, um, you know, in the business, I think are less saturated than others, that there is really good, you know, if you had a really good product, if you had a really good movie or show or something, you could, you know, kind of sneak your way in, you know, into this world and then kind of change your, your position and, and what you're kind of crafting afterwards. That, hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, it's starting to make a little bit of sense. If, if I'm understanding you, though, you're, you're talking about um, really testing some intellectual property on, on our end first. Produce something. Yeah. Try to gain audience. Yeah. Try to gain some you know, momentum. And it's, it, it, yeah, and I, you know, in this world of like, you know, influencers and, and that sort of stuff, you know, there's stuff that will grab people's attention for a really short amount of time. Um, and, and I don't, I don't think that the networks and studios are always looking for that sort of stuff. I think it's really kind of backfired on them in the last four or five years. Um, because I, I, those people aren't actors. They're not, they don't know how to weave a story. They don't know how to do all that stuff. They know how to get people's attention. Um, and that's the name of the game of social media, but you know, to really get a show on television or, you know, a movie in the theater. I think you really need a high concept, strong narrative with a, with a you know, even stronger voice. And you have to be saying something. Um, and I think that's kind of how you, you break into that world. You, you, I think there are ways to kind of get there. Um, but, you know, overall, I think what you got to do is one, develop your voice and to develop an audience. And then I think at that point, you know, somebody should kind of notice you, I would say. Yeah, so, so something's well-developed, it's a slam dunk in terms of being able to explain to somebody what it is and, and why they would wanna pay attention to it. I mean, from the development perspective, but you know, what, what grabs your attention? So I'm somebody, I have a project, I approach yeah. you, like what, what do I have to do to get you to take me seriously? Okay, well, I, I will say this. So this is my kind of, uh, this is what I tell everybody else, is, you know, you're one through 10 idea. You're one through, I've heard them all. I've heard you're one through 10. You know, I, I don't know how many times I, you know, a, a wine show comes across my desk that people who are wealthy can execute the production. They know some things about wine and then we go on a little wine trip and I see a 30 minute thing and then it's usually the same thing over and over, right? So your, your ideas one through 10, I've heard. Your 11th idea is the idea that I wanna hear. Your 11th idea is the idea that's high concept. It's strange, it's weird. Um, I, you know, I kind of liken myself to like a, a hairstylist in a weird way, right? So hairstylists cut hair all day and they cut the same haircuts, right? And so you usually, when you go to see a hairstylist, you're, the hairstylist has even crazier hair than you would ever even imagine. It's because they're in the weeds and they're doing this all day and they get bored. So that's kind of how I feel for, you know, myself as a development producer. Yeah, it's gotta be a strong story. You gotta have great characters, but there has to be kind of a high concept or high stakes um, elements to your project to have to, that'll get my attention. And, and I, that, that, this is something that I, I feel like most people have a problem with is kind of, you know, it's one of those things where people ha hear that, you know, 
write what you know and, and make what you know. And yeah, that's true. And I think that you can, you know, if, if, if you're a writer or actor or anything, you can, you know, put a lot of your life into it, but you have to be conscious, conscious of, um, you know, the, the world that already exists, right? We've already seen a show with five friends complaining about their dates sitting in a coffee shop, right? That's every show. And at some point you might be able to make that show, but that won't be your first show. Yeah, so that's interesting. So it sounds like you're getting an oversaturation of people that think their ideas are unique, but they're, they're just not. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, you know, um, you know, society at large at this point with various, you know, industries, not necessarily just the entertainment business. Yeah, you're right about that. I mean, there's a lot of industries that just kind of chase their competitors and, you know, you, you feel like we're something unique or interesting. Um, yeah. We, we could probably go on all day about that stuff, <laughs> but, but going back, going back to, uh, you know, television, cause, cause um, you know, as you were saying that stuff, I was thinking of a pitch that I did uh, a little while back, um, a reality show. Um, but I, I, and you can tell me if I made a mistake and that might be good for our listeners, but yeah, I, yeah, let's hear it. I, okay. So I took, I took a concept um, that was really just cake boss, right? That whole, um, okay. you have clients coming in demanding different things. And in a short amount of time you have to produce. Uh, right. And With one say, specific shop. Uh, yeah. It would have been one okay. specific shop and it actually would have been um, not cake boss, but it would have been, uh, a buddy of mine, uh, a really eccentric dude from my high school, runs this whole glass blowing business. And it's cool. the same sort of thing where people come to him all the time with really, you know, interesting ideas. Um, one that comes to mind is he gets a lot of people that bring their loved ones ashes and they ask him to put mm. that stuff in glass. And when you're working under that kind of pressure, you obviously got to get it right. So, and it's a family business and, um, you know, you put the wife and everybody into it. It, it really is like cake boss for, for a glass blower. Sure. Um, sure. So what I did there though, was just, you know, forget about the pitch. I mean, we can talk offline if you love that. And, you know, our <laughs> listeners just listen to me, make a pitch in real time, but, sure. um, yeah. <laughs> but more than what I was getting at was like the cookie cutter concepts that already work. Like, is it okay to take a, a cake boss type concept or, a, a yeah, of course. competition I mean shows and stuff? Well, okay. So I think that you, you think people need to weigh the risk of, of, you know, taking out something that is, well, there, there, I guess there are two ideas, right? The one idea is that, yeah, this field is really hot, right? Like glass blowing, right? Or many houses or uh, tiny houses, right? So there's a bunch yeah. of tiny house shows and, or, or pawn shows was a big back move like That's 10 right. years ago. Um, you know, there, there is that sort of thing where you could kind of, you know, uh, glom on to, to a trend like that. Um, I, you know, I, I don't, I personally don't, for me, it's, it's, I try to really find, you know, either high stakes or high concept um, to really set my voice as a producer apart from other people. Um, but to, not to say I, I have certainly pitched, you know, shows that are, you know, one of the ones that comes of, to mind in particular is a show with a really lovely couple from San Luis Obispo, which is a setting I hadn't seen before. They were doing um, kind of garage conversions. They were essentially, and this was their business. They had already kind of established this business and they were uh, TV friendly looking 
Um, and uh, they were charming and sweet. And I went and did a tape and uh, they were converting garages from, you know, you know, where you would keep the automobile to where you would keep grandma. Um, like an and it was additional dwelling unit, like or exactly yeah, ADU. Yeah, ADU. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, we we got we got to where we were, you know, we liked the concept and uh we pitched it to, you know, and that's the sort of thing too. You have to weigh the risk of like, okay, there's you know, for us with this particular pitch, there's one network essentially that does all of the home and gardening stuff, right? It's HGTV, right? And so yeah, we can go pitch to Netflix and Amazon and they're doing some things here and there. But, you know, for the most part, you, you know, the tip of the spear with this kind of home and garden world is HGTV. And, you know, they see this kind of stuff all the time. Right. So they're literally, you know, looking for um, a concept that is you know, and concept and characters that are kind of meet their criteria and their criteria changes all the time. So it is like, it wouldn't, it, you know, we took that out, we took that project out, you know, late last year and we got good feedback, but it just wasn't enough to put it over the edge. Um, and I think that's sort of where the high concept kind of con idea comes in, right? So we have a very lovely couple and they have a nice uh, business and didn't, we didn't really have that zhuzh, didn't really have that kind of je ne sais quoi to really push them over the edge. You know, we thought that maybe the concept could be that where we're, you know, making additional dwelling units. And, you know, part of me still believes that that absolutely could be on the air because I think that's also something that's going to be, you know, coming up as a lot of the boomers are getting older. I think that they're, you know, millennials and Gen Xers are going to be wondering where did we put our parents? So you, you kind of, there are, there are so many different factors that go into like, is this worthy of taking the risk of, of you know, spending my time and money on developing something? Um, you know, and, and that one, you know, we spent a little bit of money on and, and I thought I deemed the risk worthy. Um, but there's, you know, shows will come in and, and it'll be like, hey, here's a food show. I've got a really crazy cook and this is what he does. And I'll see it and it's just not, doesn't meet those levels and it doesn't really kind of pass, pass that risk threshold for me. Um, and then it kind of just loses steam. You, you kind of have to be high concept. I, I keep saying it, but that's kind of the truth. And it's interesting because I'm, I'm actually, you know, I, I, I love real estate uh, outside of the stuff we do here. I, I'm certainly involved in real estate and, you know, when you were talking about the ADUs, I, I was thinking about the Los Angeles market and how um, just how it's becoming a real thing. Like uh, the permitting process is pretty oh, yeah. easy down here. There's companies that'll come and put an ADU in your backyard. And uh, I want to watch this show. I, and in fact, I think about it as like those guys that do the treehouse show where they build these yeah. elaborate tree houses. Um, so I guess my question out of that yeah. is, does, does, uh, is, is there a possibility that the market shifts a little bit where ADUs become more and more of a thing? Um, and, suddenly, and, and then HGD, HGTV comes and knocks on my door about these people. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm being optimistic here, but does that stuff ever yeah. happen? And maybe you're just. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that sort of thing happens all the time, right? It, it, and, and I'll give you a, a, a good example. You know, I was, this is when I was working for Bishop Hervey Entertainment. And, you know, my colleague and I were on a phone call and we went through, you know, the list of projects that we had. Um, and um, 
at the very end, I was like, this project that we had worked on, it was long dead. You know, I was like, let's just pitch it to them. And I, I was, you know, it was texting him and we're on the phone call together. And that was the one that hit. That was the one, you know, that was the, the, the idea that we thought, oh, this will never work was totally was the one that, you know, again, it, it, I don't think it ever got aired because of whatever the hell happened. But, you know, that was the one that they bought on. They paid us to develop, you know, and that's another thing, too, is, you know, part of the, the, the development process is deciding whether or not you want to spend money on the project. Yeah. And, um, you know, my, you know, being a professional in this business, you know, my thought process is I never want to spend my own money on developing a project because I, you know, if it is good enough, I can probably go and get a little bit of money for it. Um, and, you know, or at least to spend as little as possible. And, and, you know, part of that is, is developing relationships with, you know, people like me, I can be like, Hey, look, this is worth a little bit more. I would do this one, not that one, or you've got a really good idea here. Um, and then being able to kind of run your idea, albeit very smallly, like a log line or just a real, you know, quick and easy, you know, PDF or deck to, to show people like us. I'm like, yeah, that's worth expanding on. Um, and in fact, you know, you know, I will sign a shopping deal with you and then I can go and see if there's, you know, bigger and better partners that we can, you know, partner with or. Um, you know, or we can take it directly to the network and see if there's something here and if that person can give us a little bit of money for that. Um, so I try not to, to spend too much of my own money or too much of the company's money to, to develop our product. Well, you, you bring up some interesting things, though. So, so going back to I I'm, keep using myself as an example, but I'm, oh, please, I'm yeah, pretty much anybody in these situations. So I come to you with a project. You actually like it. You and I sign a shopping agreement. And then you go out and really pitch it to your network, all the people you have relationships with, because that's yeah. value that, you know, you have access yeah. to people that I don't. But right. then the question becomes like, all right, so what do I do now? Just sit back and wait? Or is there something that I can do as, as a, you know, I was going to call myself a filmmaker, but in this case, uh, collaborative producer. producer, is there something I yeah. can do to help? It just like I said, it, you know, it, it all depends on, on the specifics of the project. Um, you know, um, and, you know, that's why for me, you know, some of the stuff that I'm interested in is the unscripted world. And then, you know, a lot of my other buckets are kind of the comedy and, and animate animation. So if, if I get a project across my desk that kind of hits those buckets, you know, I will then work with the producer. I, I, I don't really like to, but I think there are producers and production companies that really like to kind of force the creative the original creators off a project, you know, for me, I like to put those people to work um, because they know the project the most. Um, and it's an easy bet for me to place on a producer that has a passion and a drive to, to complete a project. Um, you know, a completed project is, you know, a, I guess I don't want to say a bad completed project, but an average completed project, I think has a lot more of a chance in my opinion than someone that has high concept and it's all over the place. I don't want to work with those people. I want to work on pe with people that are dependable, um, that can deliver and, you know, will show up for phone calls and, and be able to explain their idea. Um, so it's, you know, I think it depends on it. Your question of whether or not there was work to be done, you know, whether or not I, 
out there, you know, shopping this thing around. Absolutely. And I think, like I said, it just depends on the product. But, um, you know, for the most part, I'm looking to place a bet on a producer, you know, to, to allow the, the creative to do with their work. Um, and then to, for me to, like I'm panning for gold, you know, sh- you know, shovel out some of that dirt to find that nugget of, you know, goodness that I can sell, that I can exploit into a, you know, a bigger idea or take, take that idea directly to the network. You know, for you, I'm pretty sure out of this uh, conversation, you might get an email or two. Um, maybe some people want to pitch to you. I don't know. I can send you the proper contact info and, you know, people want well, to follow me on Instagram. Do you have anything right care. now that you could just share with us? Like if we just wanted to follow you casually? Yeah, follow, you follow me on Instagram. It's um, at Miggy, M-I-G-G-Y, and then my last name, Tapia, T-A-P-I-A. Um, that's why, like, I mean, I'm, I'm glued to that. And I think that most people, you know, my age, I'm out of the demo now. I'm 36, I think. I don't know if you can count that last year, but... You know, for the most part, I'm scrolling on there every day. And you know, if you've got something, like, that's the quickest way of it. Okay, this is great. I can see you're, like, it's, it works like a portfolio. And I can talk to you. That's and, awesome. and develop a relationship. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I can give you some other info. Or if you want to email me, michael at glasshousedistribution.com. Uh, awesome. Michael at glasshousedistribution.com or find Michael Tapio on Instagram. Michael, it's been yeah. a great conversation. Thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks, Jason. Thank you for listening. This has been another episode of the Filmmaking Stuff podcast with Jason Brubaker. If you like our show and want to get more filmmaking info, make sure you check out filmmakingstuff.com and join us every week for new filmmaking tactics. Until next time, take action and make your movie now.